Texas and Tea Podcast fans. It is Danny here, and we're back at it again with Worldwide. The exciting part is the guests that I have, we're in kind of the same organization. Um, this person reached out to me, which I am so happy that she did because her story is wild, and you are absolutely going to enjoy it. So I'm going ahead and introducing my guest, Jessica. Hi, Jessica. Hi, how are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing good. Good, good. So how did you find the X's and T podcast? So around the time that I was doing my research on leaving the business, I was, you know, watching a lot of YouTube videos and I had come across Zay and Melody, which I actually came across them while I was in the business and I despised them because my upline told me to. I, I circled back and I was like, oh, hey, this is that couple. And I started watching their videos and I went down a rabbit hole. I found their Facebook page and I had been following it. And then one day, like it had been stagnant and I just checked to see if anybody posted. And then one day, like about a year ago, maybe I saw that you posted on there and I was like, oh, hey, what's this? And like, I clicked on it and then that's how I came across this podcast. <laughs> Very cool. I love how Zay and Melody really just set the tone for mm -hmm. how we can start exposing worldwide. I think that they were definitely kind of the pioneers of exposing on social media. I don't see anybody talking about Amway or Worldwide Dream Builders. And just a quick disclaimer, this is just about Worldwide Dream Builders. This is purely us speaking on our personal experiences. We're not here to slander anybody. If you happen to know who we're talking about, don't send them hate. Obviously, we're not trying to ruin people's lives. We're here to expose our personal truths and there's no beef with Amway. They are just a distribution company. This is all about Worldwide Dream Builders, personal experiences. Don't sue me. So <laughs> with that being said, I'm again, I'm really happy that you know, you did go back and take a second look at Zay and Melody. I, I think we were in around the same period of time because my upline, I, like I was in, like I met Zay and Melody. I don't, they probably don't remember me, but I definitely met them. And I remember our upline talking to us about it after they left. And we're like, oh, this couple's on YouTube. They're talking mess. And, and it's just all BS and nonsense. And then kind of like you, when I had left, I went back and watched their videos and I was, I just went on a binge streak. I watched as many videos as I could stand in one day. And I was sending them to my upline. Her name's also Jessica. She came on and shared her story, but we were sharing them back and forth. And, and it's crazy just how much all of our stories are similar. Well, when I was still in the business, when I came across them, you know, and I I'm always curious. So I would always like go on Google and type in Amway. And then I would see like the negative things people would say. And then I would go back and tell my upline, oh, well, they're saying this. And they were like, no, like you're here, you know, us in person, these people don't know us. That's just their experience. And, you know, they would say all that. And I would read the comments and everything, but my son's dad, we got in together and he was always like, stop reading that. That's like bad. And so I, I think I was, I always kind of had that like negative, you know, in the back of my mind, but I was just always kind yeah. of like, no, like these are, these are my friends. I know these people in real life. And so I just, you know, all the naysayers, I would kind of push it to the side. But um, yeah, when I went down that rabbit hole, like when I was in the business, they were completely against it. They were like, stop looking at that. We're, you know, we have our lawyers looking into that. They shouldn't be doing that. And then right before I quit, I was, I just went down this huge rabbit hole. I started watching like Roberta Blevins. And then the last people that I did watch was Zay and Melody. And that's when I was like, okay, I'm, I'm going to watch them. 
because I hated them so much only because my upline told me to. It was so relatable. And that's when I was like, I like, I know like this is this, everything I'm seeing is true because I've witnessed all of this. I also yeah. watched another girl. I think her name was Martha Rea. Yeah, no, absolutely. I did. I totally forgot about her. I think that we follow each other on Instagram, or at least my personal Instagram. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I remember watching her videos as well. And, and I don't think she posts or uploads anymore. Um, mm-hmm. but her videos were again, so similar. And then again, like you said, you go down this rabbit hole and you're like, Oh my God, the things you find out it is so crazy. So going back, you know, I know that um, before you had been exposed to Worldwide, I remember you telling me that you had actually been exposed to Amway before Worldwide. What did that look like? And can you tell us a little bit about it? So when I joined Worldwide, um, that was in 2018. When I first moved to Arizona, I was 23. Before that, I lived in California with my son's dad. And I want to say in about 2015, um, I was exposed to, it wasn't worldwide, it was Amway. And I, I don't know what line of affiliation it was. I just know it was like some Mexican one. And it was actually my mother-in-law's boyfriend. And he somehow signed us up and he was always making us go to meetings with him. We went to a few. And so like, I thought in my mind, I thought Amway was just kind of like some little business from Mexico, kind of like Mary Kay. I was like, okay, like this is what yeah. I'll... The Mexicans are doing so like we would go and everything was in Spanish and like you know it was it was basically like worldwide like it was very churchy very much so like you had to be married and so like me and my son's dad weren't married yet and they were always trying to like shove marriage down our throats and we were I think at this time maybe like 19 20 we were 20 and so that was like what I thought Amway was I was like oh it's just like some like Christian Mexican people who want us to join and like we were like okay I mean this is cool but we don't want to go door to door and sell because that's what they would tell us to do and so yeah we just stopped going to like meetings and like we always talked about it we're always like oh yeah that Amway thing ha 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 and so when we moved here three years later, you know, we were re-exposed and, you know, our, our upline was not Mexican. And we were like, what are people doing, like when we found out, we're like, what are they doing in this like Mexican thing? And this was before we still really knew anything about Amway. So we were like, do you guys even speak Spanish? <laughs> and they were right. like, what are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, that's right. Because Amway is American way. I'm pretty sure. (laughs) And at the kind of this in-between time where you had been exposed to Amway and then you moved to Arizona, what were your goals at that point? What did your life look like before you were exposed to Worldwide? So when I was, the first time we were exposed, I was 20 and I was going to a community college, which actually ended up dropping out I want to say that year or the year after just because I was like I don't know what I want to do for school and so I was just like school's not for me so I started working like in office jobs and then my son's dad moved here to Arizona when in 2017 so for a whole year I was still out there and I was like you know what I'm gonna go back to school I kind of want to do respiratory therapy and I was still looking into it and then he got me a dog and convinced me to move to Arizona (laughs) and so I did Um, and then maybe I was going to come to school out here, but I was still trying to figure everything out because we were living with somebody as a roommate situation before we got our house. And then it just, I ended up working because maybe three weeks into me moving here, that's when we met our upline. And then we joined the business and they completely like ripped me going to school away. And they were like, don't do that. That's stupid. Like in five years, you could become the successful business owner. And so I was like, you know what? Yeah, like I don't need school. And so I just, I completely threw that away. 
and I was 23 at this time. And so now I'm in school and I'm 28 and I'm, I'm going to school for respiratory therapy, which is what I wanted to do. I just, I kind of like kick myself every day, especially with how hard it is. I'm like, I could have been done with this when I was 23 and I never right. got to do it because of worldwide. You know, uh, in one of our previous episodes with um, Hope and Fisher, Fisher makes a fantastic point. He says, be careful because you could lose your 20s to these people. Only being in Arizona for three weeks and then getting pulled in like almost immediately. That That is shocking. And I, I, as far as the way that you met your upline, we had spoken about this and like the way that it happened, like what are the odds, honestly? So could you go into that a little bit? Yes. We were going to Louisiana, my son's dad and I, to visit his sister out there. And we were really excited about it. And since I had just moved here, I wasn't working yet. And I wasn't supposed to start working until I think it was like mid-April or the end of April. And so before we, before I started working, we were like, yeah, let's go to Louisiana. And he was like, okay, we need extra cash. So he started doing lifts. You know, it was his first day doing lift. He did like six or seven rides and he was like, you know what? I'm done. And like, he was all over the valley at this point. And then I was like, you know what? Just do one more. Like it's still pretty early on in the night. And he was like, okay, yeah, I'll do one more. And so he did. And that last ride that he did, he was in the East Valley and he just happened to pick up our upline and you know, they started talking and I'm not exactly, I'm sure like he dropped the message and that's how, you know, everything happened. I just remember that night he came home really excited. He was like, yeah, I met this guy. He's like this business owner. He does mortgage and all this stuff. And I was like, he was really excited. I was like, oh, that's good. Like, and he, you know, he was talking about business opportunities. And to me, I was like, oh, okay, like he's going to get you into like his mortgage company or, you know, whatever he owns this. And so I want to say this was a Thursday or Friday because it was on a Saturday when they went to, I guess, his like first meet and greet, they went to Starbucks and they talked and it was just both of them. And then when he came home, he still didn't even know what was going on. He was like, yeah, no, like he, he's a loan officer and he owns a business. And, you know, he said that we can both get in. It's like a family thing. And I was like, okay. And he was like, and they're Christian. And at the time, I, you know, we were super Christian. And so we were, I was like, oh, okay. Like these people sound like good people. And then I think it was the next day when they invited us to church with them, which I want to say might have been Easter, like two weeks before Easter. So we went um, to some church in Phoenix with them. And then I don't remember if we hung out with them after. Maybe we went to like Burger King or something. I don't know. And there still wasn't too much information given. And then it was maybe like the course of a few weeks. We had been going over to their house and that's how they were slowly giving us, you know, bite-sized information, as they say, um, until you know, that one day when he came out with two excesses and he was like, oh, hey, here, um, our upline, Henry gets these in bulk. And that's when we, we looked at them and we looked at each other and we were like, I saw that it was Amway in the back. And at that time, my son's dad was like, is this Amway? And they were like, well, what do you know about Amway? (laughs) And so that's how all of that happened. And this was the end of March. You know, I was like, oh, okay. Like these people are going to be good friends for us. And then once I found out it it was Amway. That's when we had that whole, do you think you can speak Spanish? <laughs> right. Right. Cause at that point you had your first vision of Amway and it definitely was not what your first experience was. It's just so You tell them to do one more. And that last person just happens to be the person who drops the message. And, and his name was Brent, correct? Yeah. Perfect. Oh, and also an additional disclaimer, all these names have been changed. Anybody that we talk about this is not their actual name. So Brent, Brent was from Washington, mm-hmm. right? Okay. Yeah. So from 
what I understand is, is all these people just have been continuing to move to Arizona, which is wild, but you ended up getting connected with a Washington based line of sponsorship, right? Mm -hmm. That's so funny because we learned that we were kind of, like I mentioned before, worldwide cousins because the Washington couple, they would become your emeralds, right? Or they would be like your upper rubies. Yeah. So my double eagle rubies, they're, their direct sponsor, which they're, I want to say they're now Emerald. Um, I think they were your upline's direct sponsor also, or there might've been somebody in between, but yeah, basically like our upline uncle or something like that. Yes. Yes. And I have referenced this, um, this upline above this Washington couple I was talking about. I've mentioned him before because he's the one who puts that couple is the one who puts together splash. They're like the, the old, old couple in the business and their downline is an upline of Taylor, the club owner. We don't have pseudonyms for these folks. I feel like if you know, you know, because he had wanted to to be a teacher is what I remember about him. And then he learned how much a teacher would make in like their first couple of years. At least that's what I remember from his board plan. And then at some point he was selling water, right? Some sort of something like that. Yeah, I, I don't remember too much. Yeah, yeah. So the old, old couple, they were the ones who owned the chain of pharmacies. And then below them was that couple who he wanted to be a teacher and eventually he sold water. I remember seeing him speak. He was probably the third person that I had seen speak and everybody loved him. He was so cool. And so if you know who they are, you'll know who they are. With them having been in Washington, what was your connection with your upline at that point. I know your, your direct sponsor, Brent, he is in Arizona. Were his upline in Arizona too, or were they all in Washington still? So my direct sponsor is in Arizona and his direct sponsor is in Arizona and they were double eagle rubies. I think they had just became double eagle rubies around the time we got sponsored, but yeah, they're, they're in Arizona. And I want to say the people above them, which is the club owners upline, they might also be in Arizona now as of maybe the last two years. But um, yeah, when I was in, it was just my direct sponsor and then my double eagle Ruby who were in Arizona. Okay. Wow. So then for your major functions, you were traveling outside of Arizona. Um, so for family reunion, we were going to Oregon and then for FED and spring leadership, we were going to Vegas with the Vegas family out there. Okay. And with all of that, what, what were your obligations? So you find out this is Amway. Obviously you guys were, were down with it. Um, which it's, cr it's still crazy to me now the grooming process, how long people had gone before they learned it was Amway. They always said, like you said, bite-sized pieces of information. You're not prepared for this information yet. And that's all a part of their grooming process. And you, you join the business and now you have all these responsibilities. What were those obligations looking like? Maybe your PV amount, your monthly, maybe meeting requirements, apps, things like that. So we had to have all the apps, which was um, 
communicate, Dreamstream, which is workplace. And then I think those were the only two. And we did have to pay monthly for those, which I think communicate was like 40 something dollars a month. And then we had like the worldwide membership app plus workplace. And I want to say that was like maybe 86. Um, I can't really remember, but I know it was like up there because you had to have the premiere membership, which was like the extra for the audios to listen to their audios. And then on top of that, we had to do since we were a couple, we weren't married yet at the time. Um, and they kind of wanted to sponsor us separately. But I think because my direct sponsor, he didn't have any legs in Arizona. And I want to say he had one or two up in Washington. Since we were the only one and you know, we were young, 23. And, you know, we didn't really, I wasn't working yet. And my son's dad wasn't working too much. I think they might have. And I, I don't know if this actually happened. I'm just assuming because I've always heard that if you're not married, you get sponsored separately. And I think since our situation was a little unique and I don't want to say they were desperate to, you know, sponsor somebody, but I, they probably were. And their upline was like, yeah, these people seem committed. I don't want to lose them. Let's just sponsor them together. So we got sponsored together as a couple. And so we were doing 300 PV every month. And we did that from, I want to say after three months, you know, they always told us they were like fully commit, fully commit. So the first three months we were maybe doing like a hundred PV. And then after three months, and I always remember this, they were like, you guys need to fully commit. Like you need to do something. And they had like all these little incentives and challenges just going on. So it was 300 PV, which was like $1,200 at the time, which I, it was probably always $1,200 because I did the math for the four years that I was in with that on top of traveling, function tickets, like everything. It was close to $60,000 that we lost, you know, altogether, which is ridiculous because about two years ago, I kept telling my son's dad, I was like, I want a Tesla. I want a Tesla. And at the time, Teslas were $60,000. That was a whole Tesla, the whole four years. Like I could have had a Tesla and had it paid off. And so that, that always pissed me off. But I, I do remember at that three month mark when they were doing that incentive, I want to say it might've been like June or July. I think it was after family reunion. Um, they had like a no social media 90 day, like they were doing a 90 day core run and that was a part of it. And I still had my Instagram at the time and my son's dad didn't really go on social media and they were sending Kate's and they were like, yeah, like can't deactivate your social medias, delete it. And my son's dad did it. And he was like, you need to do it too. And I was like, no. And they were like, well, they're saying you need to do it. I was like, no, they're saying it's optional. Like, and he was like, no, like you have to. And I'm sure like my son's dad spoke to them and they were like, well, this would be good for you. And you know, they convinced him. And then I was like, no, I don't want to do it. And so anyways, he made me delete my social media so from 2018 until last year, I didn't have any social, I had Facebook still like in secret, which is so sad to say. I didn't have Instagram or anything. And I like, didn't really know what was going on with my family. And that's when they started noticing that like things were getting weird with me. And yeah. that's when they started questioning what, what's going on with you. And they were like, you're in a cult. And I was like, no, I'm not. And it's horrible. <laughs> Yeah. Well, actually that was one of my questions is where your, was your family supportive? And it sounds like they were not supportive. <laughs> So my family was always like, no, don't do that. And my mom had done like Mary Kay and other things just like she just, she would buy the products for herself. She never went out to sell. But the reason that I thought Amway was like a Mexican thing is because I'm Mexican and my family is like Mexican. And so like, I want to say these little companies really draw to the Hispanic community. And my upline used to always say that they used to be like, this is like, if you can go into the Hispanic community. They love buying this stuff. Go out to them, go outreach to them, go talk to them, like sell to them. They're your best customers. I mean, which is true, but it's like they were preying on them basically. 
And so they weren't supportive of it. My mom was always like, this is a cult. You need to get out of that. Like, if you just want to sell the products, that's fine. But like, you're indoctrinated by all of this stuff. I was like, no mom, like you're the crazy, how like this, that doesn't even sound right. And so she was not supportive, but they would always tell us like, oh, just like report that you know, your mom bought this, or if you're drinking in excess in front of somebody, you're advertising. So yes. mark that down as like customer sales because you're advertising. So that's what we would do. We would, you know, use our stuff up and then, you know, put it down as customer. And I had like three of my family members as my customers. I would even buy things for them and ship it to their house. And I hated doing that because I was always like, this is my money. And like, they don't want to buy things. Why? Am I? And they didn't, exactly tell me to do that but they were like yeah just send them some stuff as samples so basically they were saying just buy stuff and send it to them and then mark that down as you know client volume or customer pv or whatever it was called yeah and that was definitely the most deceptive thing that i remember doing as well because very similar my dad was not supportive mm-hmm. whatsoever he actually told me a story while i was there about a guy he called amway al and my dad started to call me that because he knew what it was. And, and in, in addition to Amway Al, there was another person who was like friends with him. And this person kept like bringing this up and tried to show my dad some like circles. I mean, this is back in like the 90s. And uh, my dad was like, I'm not doing that. And the guy like totally disappeared and ghosted him. And um, my mom... My mom's just a very wishy-washy person anyway. So she was just like, eh, like whatever you're going to do. But my dad and my stepmom were very much like, this is horrible. You need to leave. It's really sad because it really drove a huge wedge between my family and I. But wow, you know, I mean, at the very least buying things here and there, just because they see that you're so invested. I think that's pretty cool. But again, the they they do, they say the negative parents and they would throw examples, right? They'd say, oh, well, your parents have been working for like X amount of years. And, and then especially if your parents had been divorced, they would say, you can't go to them for business advice because they don't own a business like this. Um, they're divorced, so you can't get marriage advice from them. And then ultimately it became, you just can't talk to them at all. Like it really did. And they wouldn't obviously flat out say, don't talk to them, but in typical cult-like fashion, that's what they do is they reel you away from your family and they isolate you. So a funny thing about that is seven months in, I'm really close with my mommy and my mom are like best friends. And they were always saying things like, oh, like your mom's just always trying to tell you what to do. And it's like my mom's always, I've always been my mom's rebel child but I always go to her for advice. I don't always take it. Most of the time I don't, but you know, I always ask her and whenever it came to like big decisions, she was always giving us her input. And when we did listen, it always helped. But, um, you know, because they have that rule, like you need to tell us anything you do for the first time or, you know, whatever that first rule was. And so I would always tell them from the beginning, like how close I was with my mom. I would always tell them like, conversations that I had with my mom and like my son's dad would tell them too. And like, he never had a problem with my mom. And I think they started realizing like, okay, you're talking to your mom too much about this kind of stuff, about this kind of stuff. You should be talking to us about that, which they didn't say that, but they did say, they were like, you need to stop talking to your mom about these kind of things. Like you shouldn't be doing that. 
um, you shouldn't be asking your mom for this kind of advice. Like, where is your mom financially? And like stuff like that. And then they were like, you need to set up boundaries, which it was never anything that I had an issue with or my son's dad, like certain things that I would tell her. They're like, no, you need to put up a boundary. And I was always like, but I don't have a problem with this. And they were like, well, it's not right that you do that. So you need to do, you need to put one up. And they put that in my son's dad's head. And so anytime I would talk to my mom about anything, he started getting upset and he was like, you need to stop talking to her. And I was like, no, like she's my mom. I'm going to talk to her about things that I've always talked to her about. And so my mom started noticing that like we would be on the phone and we would be fighting. I'd be on FaceTime with my mom and he, she would get upset and she was like, oh, it's this cult that you're in. They're telling you to stop talking to me. And me and my mom, like every time we argue, we would probably argue for maybe an hour and then we would call each other back, like laughing. And so at this time, around this time, um, we got into an argument. We didn't talk for almost a week and it like killed me. And my son's dad saw like how much it hurt me. And this had gone on for maybe like two months, just going back and forth. And then he was finally like, you know what? I don't care if it's not a problem for you. It's not a problem for me. Like this is just causing more problems, if anything. And so, um, you know, we dropped that and it was, it was still like, it would still come up every once in a while. But she, after that, like she just absolutely despised Amway. She would still buy products, but every time I had like a meeting to go to, she would roll her eyes. And she was like, just stop like letting them brainwash you. And I always think about that. And I always get so upset. I'm like, I can't believe they really like tried to make me basically cut out my mom for all of my important life stuff. And they just wanted me to talk to her like, oh, hi, how are you? Bye. And that's it. Yeah. And I feel like I have that type of relationship with my dad where, you know, I ask him for advice. If I don't know what's going on, I'm going to call him because to me, my dad is what type of lifestyle I want. You know, he is amazing. And I'm sure you feel the same way about your mom and they would mm -hmm. take that away from us. And I always hated that. So, I mean, I definitely empathize with, with what you're talking about. I mean, it was just me as a single, but they were really heavy on that topic. And I know we we talk so negatively about worldwide, but everybody has a honeymoon phase. So what was that honeymoon phase like for you? And um, maybe like, what was your first function like? I After that day, when we saw the excess cans and we were like, is this Amway? They were like, well, what do you know about Amway? You know, they asked that question and then we were kind of just sitting there in silence and we had little conversations here and there. And then my direct sponsor's wife was like, which, you know, I still talk to my direct sponsors. They're pretty cool. They're still in the business, but she, she said, she was like, well, before we go any further, which I actually respect her so much for this, because I've heard so many other stories from other people where they don't even give you this option. They're just like, well, you don't know anything about Amway. So they, they didn't do this to us, but she did say, before we go any further, do you even want to continue? Like, is there a point to continue or do you guys just want to like end this here? And we kind of looked at each other and we were like, I don't know. Um, we did definitely go home that night. We were like, well, what do you want to do? But um, we were like, let's just, let's just keep going and see where this goes. And then after that, you know, we had a whole car ride. We we're like, well, they're really nice. And I think that's kind of like how they got us because I didn't know anybody here. And my son's dad didn't really know anybody here. And we were like, well, and we, you know, we were still super Christian at this time. We were like, this could be good for us. Let's just, let's just keep going. So then maybe like two days later, we got invited to a function, which was, he was an Emerald. He's no longer in the business, but he, he was an Emerald. And, you know, some people might know he was an army ranger. Um, he was an older man. He was like, we loved him. He was a really nice guy. He was our favorite. He said the same thing that everybody says that every function, but he added a few more like, 
like, I guess, realness to it. So we were like, oh, we really like this guy. Let's do this. Everything he's saying is making sense. Maybe because he added like a cuss word or something. And we were like, oh, this guy is real. And so that was like what really kicked it off for us. And then after that, we were going to get sponsored, but we went to Louisiana and then they had spring leadership. I think we got sponsored two weeks after spring leadership. It was sometime in May. From there, I did, we did kind of get like a little bored up until, and this was the beginning of May. So up until maybe like the end of June when they had family reunion or whenever it was, because we we definitely were bored throughout that time. And I think we kind of started noticing that. And then we had that major function, which rejuvenates you and, you know, gives you life again and brainwashes you. <laughs> so we had that. And then after that, we were kind of like on a high until the next function, which is FED. And I never forget this because during that time from May to family reunion in June, my family went to Hawaii. My whole family went and they were inviting us. We had just got our house and they were like, we'll pay for you. Like just come. And we had catered about it to our upline and my upline, my Ruby, um, Henry, he was like, we, cause you know, they were like, well, if you're going to go, you need to ask us basically and so we did we catered about it and his response was well you can go to Hawaii right now and have an okay time or you can go to Hawaii in five years from now and have the best time of your life and you know we were we got all high again on you know worldwide and we were like yeah that's right let's do that let's wait five years it's been like almost six years and we still haven't gone to Hawaii and I regret it every day because even if it was like an okay time it would have been a great time for me and I would have been with my entire family his thing was you could be with like all the diamonds and be having an amazing time. And I always think about that. And I'm like, no, I would have rather been with my family. That's so sad. And they call it what delayed gratification. Mm -hmm. Realistically, that would have, like you said, been the time of your life. Like those memories with your family would have far surpassed that of the diamonds, but they really prey upon that. It's like you put your life on hold for all of these things. And for what? I mean, like you had said, you could have purchased a whole Tesla. You probably could have gone to Hawaii three times over again with the mm -hmm. amount of money that we're putting into worldwide. And so during that you know, you have the honeymoon phase and then you kind of get to the point where you're like, something's not right here. What did that period of time look like for you where you started to kind of be suspicious? I feel like I always kind of had that. And, you know, I'm very introverted. My son's dad is very extroverted. He's very outgoing and optimistic. And I was always told that I was just a negative person that, um, you know, I always expect the worst. And I was always like, no, I, I think I consider myself a realist. But they're like, no, you're, you're just very cynical. And so my son's dad, he started calling me negative and cynical and just like all these things kind of putting me down. He used to be like, why don't you just be happy like me and like, you know, talk positivity, like all of that kind of stuff. And so I, I would always kind of say negative things. Like when I started looking into Google and I did that from the beginning, but I would get down and then he, I would tell him and he would tell our upline and they would, you know, that's when they would feed me with, you know, well, that's just what they're saying online. Like, you know, us in person, stuff like that. And so when I, I would get over it for a few months and then I would start looking into it again, but then I started questioning myself and I was like, no, like, you know, I'm just being negative. And I started feeding all of that into my own head and, you know, putting myself down and putting myself image down. And I was just always doing stuff like that. And then finally, well, we sponsored his brother and his wife in 2019. And I remember we were like, it was going to be their first FED or something. And we were like, oh my gosh, FED is like the most amazing thing ever. Um, You guys are going to cry. And I remember me and my son's dad 
dad were there and we were watching them and they were enjoying it. But, and I don't know if my son's dad even realizes this, but I remember I was, I just felt kind of dull the whole time. I was like, okay, this wasn't as magical as I remembered it, you know, last year. And I looked at my son's dad and he had like the same reaction, but he didn't say anything. And I think he was always in like self-doubt about this kind of things. And he would just like talk himself out of it where I would kind of realize, but then this was 2019. So a few months go by, 2020 happens. And then right before spring leadership was when like the pandemic happened and everything shut down. And I was so happy. Like everybody was so sad and the kids were going like, oh my gosh, this is the worst thing. But I was like, yeah. Like, we don't have to go to meetings anymore. We can stay home. And then they were like, oh, this is all going to be on Zoom. I was like, cool. Like, I don't actually have to be there. And we would be on Zoom. And my son's dad still thought he was committed, which I know he wasn't at this point. But in his head, he was. Because we would have, like, major functions online. We'd put them on TV. And then we would be on our phones the whole time. We would, And then we would take a picture, post it onto, like, Dreamstream, you know, to, to so it would look like we were there. 2021, um, I get pregnant, actually, in 2020. And I just, like, they started kind of trying to do things again um you know off of communicate like we weren't allowed to talk about it they tried get doing like get together they tried hanging out but I, my excuse was always no I'm pregnant I don't want to go out I don't want to get COVID and they would get upset and they were like oh you're just scared of getting COVID I was like yeah I'm pregnant like I can get really sick Aww. and I want to lose my baby yeah yeah and um and I mean I really was scared of getting it while I was pregnant but they were always like oh you're just being negative like you need to have a better outlook on this kind of stuff and it was just I, I don't know it was ridiculous to me because I was like no this is this is going to be my excuse and I really don't want to get COVID. And then 2021, I had my baby. I had um, postpartum depression and then they started doing in-person meetings again and I just refused to go. I went to one in 2020, which um, my son's dad was watching my son and my son ended up falling over and like, he didn't really hit his head, but I was scared that he was and I like went off on him. I was like, I'm never going to another meeting again. Don't even ask me. This was like October of 2021. And this was when I just really like, was like, oh, because I went to this stupid meeting that I didn't even want to go to. And I had already told him that I didn't want to be a part of this anymore, but he didn't believe me. And then maybe like in December of 2021 was when I started, you know, doing my research because of TikTok. I kept coming across like cult like videos. And there was this girl who lived on the East Coast who was in Worldwide and she was a Ruby. Um, and she she did, you know, make videos, but she was threatened with lawsuits and stuff. So she stopped and she deleted her whole TikTok. But that was kind of like what really like got me into looking into more things. And that's when I was like, you know, what? I'm going to go on YouTube. I'm going to look at these people. And then I, I was watching Boy Meets World one day and there was this episode where Sean joins like a cult. I don't I don't even know what kind of cult it was. It wasn't like a church cult, but everything they were saying was worldwide. And this show is like from the 90s. And I was like, oh my goodness, like this is word for word. This is insane. And that's when I really realized that it was a cult because at this time I was like, it's not a cult still. Like I still wasn't thinking that. But once I saw that, I was like, this is an actual cult. Yeah, I know exactly what episode you're talking about as well. And it sounds very much like, um, if I remember it correctly, you're right. It was not religious. It was more like free, happy people. Yeah. Trying to buy. And yeah. you are so right. Um, we had, or I had a couple on not too long ago where they were talking about their personal experiences with a church called the Potter's house. And they mm. very much related the two together. And the more I look into cults, the more I realize the same principles apply. And actually, um, uh, there's, what is his name? Stephen Hassan, the bite model that reading that was 
was intense because I'm looking at all of it. And there's things like they will, you know, sleep deprivation, they'll take you away from your family, and they'll control your food. Those are just three examples of things that they did, like at major functions, don't buy the the food that they offer there, because it's going to give you no energy, and it's out of budget, don't have food delivered. And you can't bring in food. Like we'd have to find creative ways the longer I was in the business to sneak in food. And by that time, you've been sitting for hours Mm -hmm. and you've been listening to the same damn talk. And then you're just so depleted that you need to thrive off of the energy that they're giving you. I feel like most cults, actually all of them, all of them have all of those characteristics, but I kind of want to go back to something that you had said that really just kind of resonated with me. And I'm so curious about it. So this was still during lockdown and they are trying to set up these in-person meetings, but you're not allowed to talk about it on Kate. Um, so there was a lot of things that, because I think it was around that time that they were also like, okay, you're not allowed to record because I think, I think that was around the time Zay and Melody had gotten a recording and I don't even know if they were the reason I'm pretty sure they were, but they posted a recording on YouTube and I know YouTube took it down and they were like, recording's not allowed anymore. So this was right before shutdowns. And, you know, they were like, we're making a lot of changes. And, and then, you know, the lockdowns happened. And there was a lot of things they were telling us, they're like, we're not allowed to record. This isn't going, you can't report this on Kate. Like you guys can talk about it in over a phone call or like a text message, but no recording of this because um, this is like, you know, because of the lockdowns, this is basically like illegal. We don't want to get in trouble with it because, you know, they're like, we're a business. So we're going to get in trouble. And so we, we didn't go to a lot of the meetings just because not, oh, not meetings, but like the guests together as a gathering because we didn't want to we were like well I didn't want to and I convinced my son's dad I was like no I'm pregnant we're not doing this we did go to one and I was really really upset about it and it was with our mutual mutual emerald upline because he came to Arizona when I was pregnant and they were all there and I was just so uncomfortable and it was at Henry's house and um we were all there gathered up in the living room and I was pissed but we weren't allowed to send Kate's about it if we had like a um a reflection we had to like basically text them or talk to them about it there in person but there was just there was a lot of that there were like no kate's text message phone call or you arrange something to talk about it with us in person but and nothing is getting posted on dreamstream <laughs> and i don't did you guys have dreamstream when you were still in because i know yeah. they said yeah before dreamstream they had like some photo stream or something like that. photo stream yeah they really heavily encouraged people and the big crown guy would talk about this in his stupid meetings if you don't have an iphone you're wrong and so mm-hmm. i I stupidly went and got an iPhone because I didn't want to be, you know, out of the group chats. I didn't, I wanted to be a part of photo stream. And that's how they connected everybody um, to show picture, like motivational pictures, stuff like that. And then, yeah, they did uh, move on to workplace and dream stream. So everybody at that point, they stopped pushing iPhones. And at that point, everybody was able to connect. The funny thing is when they first rolled out dream stream, was there was a lot of cross-lining. People were like following each other. So Dreamstream was a was a disaster when it first came out. I'm sure by now they've perfected it. So about Dreamstream, I know like in 2020, like they, I want to say kind of cleaned it up. Like you weren't allowed to, I mean, you could still look up other people, but you weren't allowed to follow them. And if they were, because before when they would quit their account, which they deactivated, it didn't say that anymore. Either that or it just completely like deleted their whole account. And then today, um, I have an inside source. <laughs> 
kind of, um, it's not that reliable, but she was able to um, log into Dreamstream and she said, she's like, I don't even think they're using it anymore. She was like, it looks like it hasn't been, like it's not even active. Nobody's posting on it. She was like, they must've either moved somewhere else or they're just completely not allowed to use it anymore because I know around that time they were really like, I guess, picking up on a lot of, they're like, you're, you're not allowed to post cars. You're not allowed to post, you know, motivational pictures. Like if this car isn't yours because it's giving the wrong idea that you guys are saying you're going to buy this. And I remember they were always saying like, we have to lower these numbers because um, the FTC is saying that this is unrealistic. He, so they would say, they would say, this is unrealistic on the book, on paper. And we're saying this to you because we legally have to. They were like, but off the book. And they would say this at every like function. And they were like, off the books. They were like, just based off of myself or like whoever. They were like, this is what I make. These other numbers are chum numbers. Or they would be like, yeah, you can make a hundred thousand if you suck. That's what they would say. So those oh my if goodness. you suck numbers were yeah, yeah. what the FTC had a report. That's crazy. They really would. I think that a lot of these rules got a lot stricter as I left. And I, I think that Zay and Melody had definitely had something to yeah. do with it. And I think the more that people started to talk about the fact that they were telling us, buy the stuff yourself. If like you said, show it to somebody else, you're advertising. So mm -hmm. then you can report that as customer volume. They would say, sell it to your grandma, sell it to your mom, sell it to your fish. It doesn't matter. Like just put yeah. it in there. And now, and I think you're the one who told me this or somebody did I, you know, I think it was you, but that now that they have to have customer accounts. So what did that look like? So I had like three or four customer, like separate accounts that I made all with like fake emails too, so that I could like track it and everything. But yeah, it was kind of like, like we had our IBO account and then you can make like, you have to go in there. I think, I don't even remember how it was done. Create an account as a customer, like a prosumer or something like that that like I really would try it because they were like yeah send them samples and then report that we had to make them accounts so I probably I could probably sign on right now and see that there's like I don't know four maybe five different like separate actual account. Yeah. So they stopped it then to where you as the IBO put in the PV amount that it now has to go through a customer account. Is that right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And there's like a reward system now. I'm not sure how that works. It was around the time that it quit, but I do remember, I remember all of 2020 up until the beginning of 22, when I quit, they were always having like zoom webinars of like customer like the crown wife she would lead it and she was always like you know she would have that and then like our, our downline they would lead all of that and they would have people on there just like talking about products and it was the boringest thing but they were always like you guys need to be there this is a part of our 90 day core run and just like all this stuff and I you know I think they ended up having splash but it was it wasn't splash in person it was like a zoom kind of thing and it was just like a like a field day on zoom it was just it was it sounded like the lamest thing I, we didn't qualify um but I remember it was like so it was basically just all of the upline talking so just like another function That's so jank I, <laughs> I uh, the way that COVID really I think COVID it sounds like exposed things because yeah, now definitely. they're talking about like retail volume and how you have to mm -hmm. start selling it but then like hush hush they're being like not nah, create your own customer account right is that stuff yeah. that they were saying Gosh, and that's again, you're like, it's so deceptive. You're talking about having in person meetings during this point in time when nobody, nobody knew about this virus. There was no vaccination. There was no way of knowing just how serious this was. 
And I mean, of course, now things are different. We have like ways to treat COVID and we have vaccinations Mm -hmm. and we have, you know, so much more knowledge about it. But when you're talking about something really unknown, and especially you and your friend being pregnant and being exposed to these people, that's ridiculous. And the fact that they pushed that narrative under the radar even is so dangerous because they don't know. I mean, you'd think they would know, but their downline is all different walks of life of people. I mean, people who probably have asthma, people who probably have underlying conditions and pregnancy. And yet they totally pushed all that aside, did not care. And were like, you're not all in if you're not showing up in person. So one of the big things that like really pissed me off was when I was still in I was super, super, super conservative, like my son's dad and I super conservative. And so like, it was really hard for me to agree with a lot of the things they said. And I I always remember this because in 2020, it was when I turned 25. And, you know, my brain fully developed, my frontal lobe was developed. And I just had so many like changes to the way, like my mentality was just so different. I thought it was because I was pregnant. I was like, oh, this is pregnancy hormones. I'm going to get over them. And then I had my son and I was like, oh no, this is just like postpartum depression. And then I realized as like, no, my brain fully developed and I didn't think the same way that I did when I was still like, I guess all in. Um, I remember during this time they were talking about censorship. Like a lot of the censorship was going on like with YouTube, like censoring conservatives. And I remember that used to like really piss me off. I used to be like, oh my gosh, like I can't believe they're censoring these people. Like what about freedom of speech? Like people are allowed to have their opinions, which I still fully like stand by. People are allowed to have their opinions. People shouldn't be silenced. And you know, that was always like a thing with my upline. They were like, yeah, no, that's BS. Like, that's not okay. And then around the same time, I want to say that's when Zay and Melody were really like, you know, lighting a fire under worldwide. And they started really cracking down on censorship. And they were like, big changes are coming. Big changes are coming. And they were like, we're cleaning up the internet. We're doing all of this stuff. And that's when they removed basically all of like the blogs, all of like the anti-MLM stuff. And at first I was like, oh yeah, no, like this is so good. Um, I'm glad they're cleaning up all the negativity, all the lies and stuff. And then I want to say this might've been the end of 2019 because by mid 2020, I remember I was just watching all of this and I was like, how is that okay? I was like, how is it okay that we say, you know, hushing conservatives up is not okay. But then like other people who want to have their opinion based off of their experience, based off of what, you know, they've experienced in worldwide they're just deleting it off the internet and making it look like none of that ever happened. And I was always like, this is very contradictory. Like you guys are hypocrites because it was my entire upline who would always be like, yeah, no, like the censorship is BS. But when it came to worldwide, censorship was okay. They were like, oh yeah, no, this is fine. We're just cleaning up lies, which is, you know, what the other side would say about conservatives. And it was like, no, like these are people's experiences, their opinions. Like it's not a lie. You guys just don't like it. And so that was something that bothered me because I was like, you guys are the biggest hypocrites. How are you going to delete all of this? And then, you know, talk all this crap about this other stuff. Yeah. I love the way that you put it, that they're trying to clean up the internet. And another thing from that bite model is controlling information. So Mm -hmm. not only are they trying to control what's online, I remember being in a major function. I can't for the life of me remember which one it was, but it was when I'm going to try to figure out a way to best describe it, but he's basically like the big tech guy. He married a diamond who was single. If that's maybe 
ringing a bell, but he created websites for all the diamonds. And he sat there and told us, Hey, get on your phone right now, give this website traffic. So that way, when people Google their names, that's what comes up first and not Reddit posts or blogs or now podcasts, things like that. And not only do they have that, but they're also controlling the input that you have. They're telling you to get off social media. They're telling mm-hmm. you like one of their biggest things was people are getting rid of their TVs. So they're not distracted, but they're also giving you a whole list of books. And you have to read those specific books for them to count towards core. We've, we've gone over core before, change your main employed, seven steps. You have to do them every single day to qualify for whatever. And these books that they're pushing, some are great. Uh, they're like, I will always always say that how to win friends and influence people. Fantastic book. One of my favorites, but then you have books like the one we talked about before love and respect. And that's the information that they want you to have. And Mm -hmm. that's all that they're doing. They're censoring out everything else. And that's a huge part of the brainwashing aspect. Yeah. That. And then all of the audios, like I used to listen to a bunch of podcasts and it's so sad because today as a student, I have all of my prereqs are online. So all of my gen eds, they're just online and we have to like introduce ourselves. And it's so sad because it'll, it'll always say like, introduce yourself, tell us a little bit about yourself and like all this stuff. And I'm just kind of like, I don't really do anything. Like I have a son, I go to school, I go to the gym. But other than that, like, what have I really done the last four years? I'm like, because I used to love like doing things. I always wanted to go camping. I always wanted to do so many things and I couldn't because I was in worldwide. Like I haven't even, and this is so sad. I've been here for, you know, five years and I haven't even really explored Arizona. Like I've literally just been confined to the Valley. And then after I quit, like I had my son, so I couldn't really go out. And then I started school. So like all of my time is there and then at the gym and then with my son. But like, definitely once I'm done, I'm going to explore, but I always think about it. And I get so upset because I'm like, so many things I could have done that I didn't get to do because my upline didn't allow me to. And they always say, you were allowed to, it's not that we didn't let you, but I mean, you were basically asking for permission. Like they were like, well, don't do this. Like, does it make sense? Is it duplicatable? Um, I don't know. That's not really, you know, they would say things like that and basically guilt you. It was like very narcissistic. And that's how they yeah. would control you. I used to listen to podcasts, like a bunch of them. And then they were like, that's awesome. Now you could listen to our podcast. And so I did. That's all I would listen to is worldwide audios, listen, you know, read the books and eat the bars and do all of that. And it was just so sad. There was a point in time where we were just so broke because we were putting all of our money into the business. And they were always shoving marriage down our throat too, which we're getting divorced now. But I always say if we didn't get into the business, we probably would have broken up a lot sooner. And I feel like they really groomed us into getting married. And then they just made us like more toxic towards each other because I wasn't really allowed to have a voice. And they basically just normalized everything that he was doing, all of his toxicities. Like they were like, that's fine. That's normal. You need to learn how to be like an obedient wife. You need to learn how to respect him, you know, stuff like that. And oh my gosh, when I listened to your podcast of hope about that book, I was just like, especially like with all of the stuff that their worldwide pastor would do, I, that stuff would get thrown in my face all the time. And I think I want to say that's another thing that really made me resent worldwide, like later on once my brain fully developed. Yeah, no, absolutely. And that's so true. They will go 
at extensive lengths to hush women up. And mm-hmm. and that is so sad. And it, and it does make me sad that you, you know, you have the significant other and you felt some type of way and then they're pushing marriage on you, which is so sad. I mean, it's, it's okay for people not to want to get married. It's not for everybody. And then it did nothing but amplify these narcissistic traits that you're expressing. But not only are they amplifying the narcissistic traits, they are reinforcing them. And then you as mm-hmm. a woman are not allowed to say anything. And the the marriage part is always what gets me because it's only for their profit. Because like you said, couples have to put in, you know, 300 PV, which is $1,200 a month. And that's a higher percent, I think a little bit of a higher percentage of a kickback than the 200 PV that a single would do. And even other organizations were doing 150, like they'd be 100 mm-hmm. personal volume, 50 retail volume. And it's crazy. Before I left, and this you just reminded me right now, when they did start pushing retail a lot more, I, it, it was still like an Amway rule that you only needed 50 PV to be considered a business. But I remember the crown wife sent out like a Kate and she was like, you need to do retail, 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 retail is fun. Like that was their new slogan. And I don't know if it was added to the 90 day core run or they were just pushing it. And this was like at the time where I was already like zoned out and I wasn't really paying attention. Like I would listen just to kind of clear out the notification, but I wasn't really there listening. But I do remember a few times when they were pushing clients or retail, they were saying 150 PV as like the new normal. They were like, that's the new normal for clients. And it wasn't like an Amway law. It was like basically a worldwide law. They were like, this is the standard. This is the expectation is 150. So start getting used to it because that's what it's going to be now. Stuff like that. And I was, and that's when I was like, this is so like, this just sucks. It's all retail now. It's basically door to door. And that's all they would talk about. Like, that's all I remember the last year when I wasn't really there mentally, but I would still listen. That's what I would hear is just retail, retail, retail. And I was like, this is like, this is disgusting. I don't want to be a part of this. I didn't join to sell these products. Like I joined because I thought it was something completely different. And now it's, it looks like it's going this way because I think that's the way the FTC is, is pushing it. Which I yeah. mean is good. I think these all of the all of these MLMs are gonna end up going down kind of like how Herbalife did. But um, you know, and I and I think that's something that they're really scared of. I think this is like the end of MLMs. I think they're just gonna turn into basically like retail stores, basically. I sure hope so. I do yeah. because there's a lot of sketchy stuff that happens behind the mm-hmm. scenes. And I remember I do, I, you know, very similar to you. When I joined, I didn't want to do sales because they told me I didn't have to. Taylor would mm-hmm. in his um, board plans, he would say, I hate sales. I was terrible at sales. I got fired from all of my sales jobs. Mm-hmm. And now I, I wonder like, how did that change? And these new people who are joining the business, they don't know when they talk about, I don't know if they still use the term eras where they're kind of referencing like the quick star era. And they think they talk about like the, oh, yeah stack it deep and sell it cheap kind of thing as well. Mm-hmm. And, and they, you know, the, when Dreamstream was around, they just called it the eras. And so yeah. now when you have these new people coming in, they have no clue what we went through in 
2018, 2019, 2020. And of course, Upline's not going to tell them. And that's why I think this podcast and these kinds of stories are so important because had I known what, I mean, obviously, you know, when you're in too deep, you're in too deep, but I think if people have at least the opportunity to hear, this is like the whole transition that it's made. Whatever they're doing now is going to change again. And I really just wish I would have known a lot more before I joined and chose to give up my life for three years and lose Mm $30,000. Yeah, it's, it's ridiculous. And I always think about it. And I just get so sad because I I did want to get married. But I was so young, like my son's dad and I started dating when we were 16, 17 years old. And because I was super Christian, and you know, they were super Christian, I was always like, this is just the right thing to do. And so of course, like they saw that I wanted to and my son's dad never really like brought it he was he would always say yeah, yeah, we're gonna get married. But like, it was kind of more just like a something to say until we met them and they were shoving it down his throat for almost two years until we actually got engaged and then got married. And then um, after like not even a year of being married during 2020, I want to say right before I got pregnant, he like confessed to a bunch of things that had happened prior to like a bunch of things that he lied to me about basically. Yeah. And he was like, I was like, I, I don't want to be with you anymore. I was like, I don't even know who you are. Like if I knew this before we got married, I don't even know if I would have married you or got back together with you. Cause we, we had broken up a few yeah. times and he was like, I'm still me. And I'm like, yeah, you're still you, but I, I didn't get to decide whether I wanted to continue to be with you or not. Like now I just feel like I was lied to into a marriage. And we had a council session about this with both of our uplines and they were like, no, like it's still him. This was in the past. There's nothing you can really do about it now. And you know, once you're married, that's it. It's like set in stone because God like fused this marriage or like whatever. You know, we at this point we were trying for a baby. And I told him, I was like, I think we should put having a baby on hold for a year and then revisit the idea and see where we're at. But like basically everything that happened, my upline like normalized it. They're like, no, like you need to forgive him. You guys are married now. Like it's old news or like, yeah, it's old. And I know it's new to you, but you know, they, they basically just normalized it. And he was the one who got the upper hand in it. And I just kind of had to deal with it. And then three weeks later, I took a pregnancy test when I was pregnant. So, and I want to say that's, and that's not where our problems began because we already had problems, but that's when I, and I was already 25 at this point. So I was like, I don't know if I want to be with him. And so I ended up putting up with it for like another year, two years. And then, you know, it just all kind of went downhill, but, um, yeah. So worldwide always normalized his, his behavior, but when it was me, it wasn't okay. And I always remember at a function, one of like my first or second functions, then this always pissed me off because I, I was super conservative and I was super Christian, but this was always something that didn't sit right with me was at the Sunday, this on Sundays at the, the last day of the function, they would say, um, you know, you need to go to the Sunday service to get inside of the minds yes. of your upline. So they would always say those kind of things. And I remember I was always like, oh yeah, like I didn't think too much of it until I got into the arena and I saw other people of other religions and they looked visibly uncomfortable, but they were there because, you know, their upline basically coerced them into being there. They were like, well, you have to be here. Like they didn't really give you an option. And I would just see that. And I remember that would always bug me. Like it just didn't sit right with me. I was always like, why are these people here? Like these aren't their beliefs. They shouldn't have to be here because they have to get inside of the minds of their upline. Like this is just religious stuff. This is all like, you know, optional. It shouldn't have to be like, and then 
I always remember this, my upline and I would hear other uplines telling like their people when I would go out like to the bathroom or whatever. They're like, when it's altar call, go down into the arena and like, go get saved. They're like, even yep, if you're already saved, go time. down there. Mm-hmm. And so we would go down and I would always see other people. And I was always like, this is so like effed. Like why, why are these people here? If they don't believe that they shouldn't. And I'm sure they felt guilty or like forced being there. And I just, yeah. I always think about that. And that always pisses me off. Cause I'm always like, if I was somewhere else outside of like my religion and they were kind of forcing me, I, I mean, I would feel uncomfortable. It, it would feel kind of disrespectful. Like no, I, I think you're totally right when you say that because I, I, you know, looking back, I don't know while I was there, I had so much of that viewpoint, but I do now. There were quite a few people who did not believe in the the religion that they were pushing, which is always Christianity, 100% of the yeah. time. That's all. That's all your option is. And if you're not Christian, they'll say, oh, it's fine. But then, like you said, they'll tell you on Sunday go to that Sunday service to be with your upline. And it always, it did, it felt so forced. And like looking back, that was such an indoctrination move because the the worldwide pastor was always there or John Maxwell Mm -hmm. would be there. And there was always a church service. And it's just kind of all of these different things. It, It sounds like, it sounds like a lot of negative things happened to you while you were in worldwide. And that makes me so sad. I mean, obviously now you're empowered, you're able to do what you want to do. And now that you've left worldwide, what is life like now? I feel so free, honestly, like for, I want to say the first few months. So I didn't exactly just quit like from one day to another. I was still, we, we weren't really active. We weren't really doing anything for a few months. And then like, we would still kind of buy things here and there. Um, We were still kind of like talking to our upline. I want to say we talked to them a little bit more now than we did a year ago, but um. It was about a year ago, or actually a little over a year ago, like January to March. And that was the last time I saw my upline. I saw them again recently, but while still in the business, I went over to their house to kind of talk to them. And I was going to tell them that I wanted to quit, but I just couldn't tell them. So I kind of ghosted them, which um, was kind of, you know, shitty. <laughs> but, um, you know, I, I spoke to them and I, I kind of wanted to cry because they're they're really good people. Um, it's their upline, Henry and Candy, that, you know, I, I kind of got like really negative vibes from towards the end and other people who have left that I've spoken to had like the same experience with them and so you know I spoke with my direct upline and I kind of just like I took my son over and it was just us two and we were just there kind of talking I wasn't really doing too that's around this time I was doing a lot of research but after that like and I had already started buying other products and stuff so at first I felt really guilty about it and it did take me a while to like feel not guilty about just laying down on the couch, you know, just hanging out watching TV or, you know, just laying down in silence or whatever. Yes. Um, that was a really hard thing for me to do um, now. But um, at first, like buying anything that was brand X, I felt so guilty. I was like, I feel like you're watching me. I can't buy this. And one of my friends had the same like reaction, like when me and her reconnected. And I told her, I was like, oh, it's a cult. She was like, no, it's not a cult. And then like, I showed her everything and we got connected with a few other cross lines. And she was like, oh my gosh, it's a cult. And like, she would call me, like one time she called me, she was at Sam's Club and she was crying, but she she was like, it's tears of joy. She was like, I'm buying, I think it was like body armors or something, the drinks. And she was like, and like, I almost put them back because I felt like I wasn't allowed to buy them. She's like, and then I realized I don't have like a boss anymore. She was like, I can buy whatever I want. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, I remember when I had that first, you know, realization that I could just buy whatever yeah. I want without 
feeling guilty about it without being told you need to support your business. That's brand X, you know, those kind of things. And so it just, it felt really good. And I remember every time I would go over to my uplines house, they would have a bunch of like brand X stuff. And they were like, oh, we just bought those real quick because we were running out of like our ditto stuff. <laughs> and I was like, okay, like I never believed it, but it was just always so funny because it's like, again, it's like that deer in the headlights look like, oh, you got caught. And I'm sure everybody in worldwide does that, but they don't tell you they do that because they don't want to look right. bad. And so I, life is getting better now. Um, I'm still, you know, going through the divorce and all of that. Um, <clears throat> and we're trying to get along as good as we can. And I always say this is the worst thing that I can tell people, but I always tell my younger friends, I'm like, please don't even consider marriage until after you're 25 when your brain Damn. is fully developed. Yeah. I'm like, yeah. don't do it before. <laughs> Cause you won't even know, like you're going to wake up at 25 and not even probably not even want to be married. Yeah. And so unfortunately, like I said, I do feel like a lot of my life, a lot of my life without having a child was taken away from me. Like I didn't really get to, I was kind of forced to grow up by getting married, by going to business meetings, not going out and enjoying myself. You know, most of my, from 23 to 25, 26, I was in meetings the entire time and I didn't get to have any kind of fun. And now I'm in school, which I love, like they were always so against school. So I'm going to school for respiratory therapist, which is basically dealing with everything cardiopulmonary and um, like the airway. I, I'm so happy to hear that you have decided to follow your dreams. And I, I know it's hard when you like get to the end of your twenties and you're just like, where did it go? Um, yeah. But you still like, you're going to grow into your thirties, but you have a whole nother decade where you get to reinvent yourself. And mm -hmm. um, that's something that I hope people realize as well. Um, what are some last final thoughts that you'd like to share? And, and what do you want other people to know? Honestly, one of the biggest things is just don't, don't get into an MLM. I mean, there's, I know people are going to do it because you, you know, you're not yeah. going to learn unless you get into it yourself, but it's like, really do your research. And regardless of what they say, when they're like, listen to us, we're here. Don't listen to, you know, big booty, juicy 69 on, you know, the chat rooms or whatever. Yes. That's what they would always say. Yep. And it was like, if I would have listened to all of the things I read, which Mind you, I agreed with like most of the things I would see on these blogs before they were taken down or like even the YouTube videos. They were like, those are just naysayers. You're really going to listen. They don't even have their real name. And it's like, well, yeah, because you guys threaten to sue people. This is like the church of Scientology, you know, like people aren't yeah. allowed to speak what they feel or their experience without you guys threatening to sue them. And that's why a lot of, you know, anti-MLMers, like a lot of them do get hushed. They get silenced. And like a few of the people that I used to watch, they're no longer on, all of their stuff is gone because, you know, the organization's taken down. And it's like, just really yeah. do your research, honestly, because this is an, it's literally 1% of people will make it to the top and the rest just, they're just there wasting money. I lost $60,000 and I didn't have to. <laughs> Yeah. And it's just so no, sad because, good point. yeah, because there was so much more like I could have done with them and I could have got a Tesla. I could have went on vacations. I could have gone traveling. Like I could have done so much with that, but instead it all just went to nothing. And all the people like my uplines who are still in, who still preach this business, they're, they don't really have anything to show for it. They're just in because of their right. relationships, basically, you know, it's, it's almost like chains being broken. Like I was captive by all of this stuff, you know, financially. Yeah emotionally, mentally. And I just, I feel like I'm my own person now, especially that I was so young. Like, I'm not sure how people are when they're 
over 30, over 25 joining an MLM. And I imagine that those people are just in a low place in their life. But the difference from them versus somebody who's 18 joining is somebody who's under 25, their brain isn't fully developed and they don't really know what they're getting into, which was me. I was vulnerable. I wanted friends and I really thought I was doing something good, which now I know I was just a vulnerable young person. And that's something they would always say. They were like, go after the younger people because they're very, you know, they're very driven. And that was my son's dad. He was driven and I was vulnerable and I wanted friends and I wanted a good circle of friends, which I thought this was like the good circle of friends that I was going to have, which all they did was drain my money. (laughs) Yeah, no, that's a really good point. And like you said, you know, people are going to join MLMs. I mean, realistically, we can like, we can warn them. That's about all that we can do. And that's a huge part of why I'm so grateful that people like you are willing to come on and share your stories, because I feel like that's just one more piece of information that can help them decide, do I want to be a part of this organization? If so, fantastic. At least you've listened to this and you're like, you know what? I don't buy it that's fine. You don't have to, or this is going to help somebody realize I do not want that life. So, I mean, it could go either way. So I just, I appreciate you so much. And I know it it can be tough to share your story and you are very brave for coming out and speaking all of these things. Cause when you're so vulnerable and you're talking about divorce, you're talking about narcissism, you're talking about all of these things that worldwide did. And again, this is all purely based on our personal experiences. Um, So with that said, thank you so much for coming and sharing your story and being a part of this podcast that I really hope makes a difference one day. Thank you for having me. And thank you for doing all of this. Like I, I always think about it and I'm like, this would be really interesting and really cool and fun to do. But I'm like, I know I personally wouldn't commit to it just because I'm very like after worldwide, I just mentally like, I don't commit to things other than school. Like, and I'm like, the fact that you're doing this is just, it's really cool. And I like people like you, like all the, the anti MLM community. I'm just always like, wow, like all the research and you know, what you put into it is amazing, especially for other people. Like you have to have a really good heart to want to save other people from doing this. And the fact that you're like committed to this and helping other people, like I've tried to tell like family members and I'm like, just listen to this, just listen to this. And some of them have like who are joining different ones and they are. And I'm like, just listen to this, listen to this. And they're like, you know what? This makes sense. And then other ones are like, no, I know what I'm doing. Like they're, they remind me of me years ago. Yeah. That means a world, like just to hear that. And, you know, I think, like I said, my biggest goal is to just share life experiences. And if it helps even just one person, thank goodness that happened. Um, Because, you know, whether it's domestic violence, toxic relationships or MLMs, Mm -hmm. we didn't go through that for nothing. There's no Mm -hmm. way we did because, you know, we did. We can't take it back but we can make a difference with it. So thank you again. I really appreciate it. For anybody listening, if you're not following on Instagram, you're missing out. And that is at X's and T underscore podcast. Same with TikTok at X's and T underscore podcast. You can find us here on Spotify, Apple Music, posting on Tuesdays and Fridays, especially now that I'm back from vacation. So we will see everybody later. Thank you guys.